Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and I am actually alone this episode. This is actually a bonus episode that I'm throwing you guys from uh, initially Fantasia Festival just passed, and I am so excited about all the films that I've seen and all the films that I got to experience. I am not officially back yet for the podcast. I am still technically on paternity leave. I'm just doing this quick, quick, quick bonus episode. Uh, but I will be back sometime in October. If you can guess what day I'll be back in October. And it might, I might be stating the obvious in some of this. But if, if first person to guess what day, hit me up on Twitter. And let me know what day you think I'm going to be back officially to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, because I'm actually going to throw you something. I'll, I'll, I'll give you something for free, um, whether it be a sticker, maybe a T-shirt that I still I still have some left, uh, depending on what size you are um, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, let me know if you if you find out what day I'm officially going to be back. And uh, it might be a bit of a, of a trick question. So let, uh, let's see if some real uh, Nightlight horror movie podcast fans are going to guess that one. But. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a K. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. But this is a bonus episode, so this released this Saturday. But hey. But just like I said, everybody, I had the opportunity to cover Fantasia um, International Film Festival. It is uh, It was virtual this year, obviously. Um, so I had the opportunity to cover that, which was absolutely fantastic. Had such a good time. It was really, really cool fellowshipping with other press and um, chatting with other critics and things like that. I don't really consider myself a critic, but hey. Yeah, it is what it is now, I guess. But initially, I got to see a lot of films. I got to see over 35 films uh, during the festival, which was all a dream come true. That was my first film festival ever. But I actually chose a top 10 of must-watch list. Uh, so initially, these are going to be the films that are going to be coming out soon. Um, some are going to be coming out this year. I don't have dates for any of them just because I didn't have the time to really go search for that. Um, but... Initially, these are the films that I would say to put on your radar by any means necessary. You write this down, save this episode, whatever you need to do, um, but put these films on your radar. And I'm actually going to be breaking these down from a top 10, technically a top 11, because I'm going to start with an honorable mention first. Um, and we're going to go from 10 on down. And yes, this is ranked. So this is going to be initially my uh, top 10 films, one being the best film that I've seen inside of the whole festival. So these are ranked um, and these are going to be initially the ones that I uh, found to be the most interesting uh, throughout the whole festival. But there are a lot of great stuff and some are actually already out. For example, um, uh, You Can't Kill uh, David Arquette. Uh, which was a fantastic documentary um, that featured, obviously, David Arquette. Um, but another, which was Class Action Park. It's just so much really cool stuff that's already out now that I would highly suggest to check out. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. I will be reading, so you know, forgive me for stumbling over words and things like that. But uh, another thing as well, it is a heat wave 
currently in San Francisco. Uh, I have many fans running. I literally have three fans pointed at me right now because I am looking at a computer screen. Um, so if you hear any fans or any noise or anything like that, my apologies. I am just trying my best to stay cool as possible while recording this for you all. Um, but without further ado, let me jump into it. The first film that I'm going to start off with is going to be um, initially number 11 or my honorable mention. Um, from there on out, I'll be going from 10 on down to one. Uh, but Fried Berry. Holy shit. Uh, the Fry Berry, directed and written by Ryan Kruger. This is a film straight from South Africa. We follow a heroin addict named Barry. He's pretty much bad at everything, literally bad at everything. Yet he is abducted by an alien that takes a residence inside of his brain and drives Barry's body around for a strange, wild, and obscene adventure around Cape Town. Yeah, this fucking movie's insane. I honestly was probably the weirdest movie that I've seen um, and maybe the grossest movie that I've seen uh, throughout the festival. Um, it was honestly really, really odd and it didn't really make sense. Um, but you're initially kind of following the adventure of what this alien is going through inside of Barry's body. Uh, but uh, initially I put here probably the strangest and grossest movie that I've seen uh, during the festival, as stated earlier, but I oddly enjoyed the hell out of it. A surprisingly sad take on drug addiction and not feeling quite like yourself with the range of characters that really brought the world to life. Fried Barry is not for everyone. And I want to repeat that. This movie is 100% not for everyone. I would highly suggest checking out a trailer for this one. Um, don't go in blind like I did, uh, but I'm glad that I did go in blind, mainly because I probably wouldn't have watched this movie otherwise because it, uh, based off of the trailer, probably wouldn't have been up my, up my alley or anything. But I would highly suggest checking out a trailer first before jumping straight into this just to see initially what you're going to kind of get yourself into. Um, but... Definitely not for folks who have a faint heart. It is insanely drug-fueled, and it is like Requiem for a Dream took even more drugs. Fried Berry. Hey, who would have known? Number 10, Sleep. Um, this was actually a really, really cool film. Uh, this was a German film, initially, that... Uh, let me let me just read this to you guys. <laughs> Directed by Michael Venus, written by Thomas Frederick, um, or Friedrich. Excuse me for my pronunciation of these German names. Um, I, I, I obviously I'm not German. Um, I have very little German background, um, so I am going to probably be butchering a lot of these. So my apologies. But we follow Marlene, played by Sandra Hewler, is and she's tormented by vivid nightmares that she believes are real. She has a nervous breakdown when she makes her way to a remote hotel in the village of Steinbeck. Her daughter Mona, played by Gro Schwanchi. Kolhoff uh, becomes uh, becomes worried about her mother's condition and goes out to search for her in the little village. She stays at the hotel and is immediately taken by the comfort of the staff, but soon starts uncovering a secret and old curse. Uh, I even put here that this is an extremely smart horror film that bask in the glory of being an art house haunted house movie with wrinkles of folk horror embedded into it. It is so beautiful. It is so dark. It is so extremely wicked. Um, and the cinematography leaves you feeling anxious and wanting to uh, leave, but oddly wanting to also stay or feeling the need to stay. Definitely put sleep on your radar. This is a really, really, really cool film. Um, it's a little, there are some parts in there that were a little iffy, but hey, I would highly suggest checking that film out. Number nine, Hunted. 
Directed and written by Vincent uh, Paranod. Uh, also, excuse me again with these names. This is French this time. So, yeah. <laughs> Co-written by uh, Leia Perlinoe, a woman uh, played by Lucy DeBay, meets a man played by Are Rutalter at a club. She fancies him until she notices his plans are more diabolical with her. She escapes his clutches and, and uh, him and his friend try going after her through the woods. She puts up one hell of a fight, though, making their advances harder and harder towards her. One hell of a ride, everybody. Um, I even put here that it is a fun take on the revenge subgenre that we got out of Wingert's Year Next with old stylistic choices that was borderline snuff. And yeah, I really mean borderline snuff. Absolutely enjoyable because it takes something that we are extremely familiar with and delivers something that is seemingly fresh. This kind of feels a little bit like... Um, you're experiencing the movie You're Next minus the house, I guess. You're, you're in the forest. Um, but also with hints of the Poughkeepsie tapes. It's very odd, but it's actually extremely gruesome um, and a lot of fun. And I really, really, really suggest checking this one out. Number eight, Detention. Directed and written by John Hugh. Um, Sh Hugh. Excuse me. John Shu joined with Fu Ka Ling and Ching Xing Kang as co-writers. Based on the video game of the same name in the year 1962 in Taiwan, during the White Terror, a martial law is forced on the island. A professor is running an underground literary club where his students Wei and his peers learn about the banned books and dream of freedom. One of the students, Fang, is in love with him and opens up towards and by him I mean the professor, and opens up towards him uh, when she normally feels shy around others. One night, Fang wakes up at her desk, but the school has changed to something far more darker and sinister. Wandering around the dark halls and the corridors, she meets Wei, and together they confront the ghosts and demons of the school. Honestly, guys, hands down, and I would stamp of approval right here with Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, hands down, one of the best video game adapted films of all time. I am not even joking. This film seriously did something absolutely clever and right. And it just oozes with style. And it makes you... I've never played this game, actually. But it makes you want to play the game. To really experience what everything is going on. And try to get a different perspective from this video game. And it is probably the coolest shit that I've ever seen from a video game adapted film. It is so, so, so cool. But I even put here that this was so much fun, extremely dark and twisted. Some of the CG that was used is a little meh. and Bear with it, but it is meh. But it's not enough to take you out of it, um, which is nice. The characters that were involved had you root for them to figure out what has overtaken their school, classmates, and faculty. You get a sense of watching Del Toro's Pants Labyrinth and Gaines' Silent Hill with absolute haunt score in a suffocating atmosphere please put detention on your list because i cannot root for this movie enough number seven the oak room Directed by Cody Callahan, written by Peter Genoway. In a small Canadian town, Paul, played by Peter Outerbridge, is 
closing his bar when an old resident of the town, Steve, played by R.J. Mitt from Breaking Bad, walks into the bar. They have a rocky shared history that raises more tension between the two. Paul is trying to get Steve out of his bar until Steve tells him that he has one hell of a story to tell about another bar called The Oak Room. Within, the story unravels a deeper truth between Paul and Steve. Holy shit, this film. Guys, I cannot gloat about how interesting this movie is. Now, I, I'm on the fence of if I honestly, truly, deeply like this movie, but this film oozes with absolute style, and I could not have been happier with the outcome. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, uh, of uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, and you just kind of wanted to see where it was going, um, but it's brutal as all hell when it needs to be, and it honestly unravels something that really is truly kind of embedded inside of this film that you honestly probably would want to watch a second time around. And I'm honestly, once this comes out, I'm probably going to watch it again because it left me with more questions than answers. And sometimes um, I feel like that second go around will answer those questions for me. So hopefully that does what I needed to do. But I also put here that the acting is something like no other. And honestly, it just is something that just sticks with you. And it does. I constantly am thinking about this movie and how bad I want to see it again. But I guess I'm going to have to wait just like everyone else right now. Number six, Lucky. Directed by Natasha Kermani, written by Bria Grant. Fucking cool. Bria, shout out to you. Uh, you've been doing great work. Um, for those of you guys who don't know who Bria is, Bria Grant, uh, she played in uh, Heroes, and she's made a number of, uh, of really, really fantastic films. Uh, she actually has a film coming out also. I don't have it on this list, but it's also a really, really great film uh, called The 12-Hour Shift. Um, it's really, really cool. But Bria Grant, shout out to you. I'm a cool, so glad you're doing really, really great things, friend. Um, and I wish you the best of luck on any future endeavor. But self-help uh, Arthur Mayrier, played by Bria Grant, is harassed... Um, I keep saying Bria. It's Brea. Sorry. Not Bria. Brea. Uh, is harassed by the same mask intruder trying to kill her every night. May fights off her intruder uh, each night, sometimes thinking she is successful, just for it to continue happening again and again. What a wonderful play on this movie. It is so interesting, and it's such a beautiful take on feminism and um, believability and is that a word we'll make it a word for now uh, but believability and or believable I guess but this is something that is re to me personally is a really really important film um, because it kind of takes these aspects of men being very matter of fact when it comes to things that scare women and it's unfortunate, but this film really brings this to light. And I think it's absolutely gorgeous of how it is done. And it, it, it's very, you can even see a lot of it when you see uh, the characters in the film with May and her husband um, on how he is very matter of fact about the whole thing and how he's very nonchalant about uh, this intruder and things like that. And same with the police and so on and so forth. So this is a really interesting film that honestly really heightens the believe culture, which, yes, you should believe um, uh, when women say things are happening to them. You know, don't don't just brush that off, you know, really, really, really help and be there for them. But this film honestly showcases that even when it's right there in plain sight, no one really gave a shit. 
And that is something that I find absolutely standing ovation, a huge applaud, chef kiss, because I think this is actually a really important film that really needs to be tackled um, more often initially. Uh, but I even put here that I am not too quite sure if I still get the film. And honestly, coming from perspective of a man, that might be a given. Um, I would love to actually see this from a woman's point of view or hear a woman actually speak more about this film. Uh, maybe we'll probably bring this film on uh, the podcast and see if we can get Brea um, on the show as well and see if she wants to chat um, about it too. But We'll see. That's down the line. Um, and I even put here that a wonderful glance into the world of being a woman. Um, well, more of a terrifying, wonderful glance, I guess. And how scary that can truly be. This film paints a broad picture on feminism and should definitely be experienced. Excited to watch this one again, everybody. I really, really cannot suggest Lucky enough. Number five, La Dosis. Also, name is Dose. Directed and written by uh, Martin Kralt, an Argentine film that follows Marcos, played by Carlos Portalupa, um, a night shift nurse at a care ward. Marcos loves his routine so much so that he finds that he is helping his patients by providing them with a small dose to take them from this world. That's right, everybody. He kills his patients, but only the ones that are sick. Things start taking, that does not make it okay, uh, but things start taking a familiar turn when a new nurse named Gabriel, played by Ignacio Rogers, threatens to uncover his deadly secret. Now, this is an absolutely fantastic film. I honestly, this was probably my third film that I watched at the festival, and it was my top film for a nice chunk of the festival, actually. Um, but this was uh, just so well done. And honestly, it, it, it really plays on um, it, it really plays on the take of like the Reaper of death or the angel of death and, and um, kind of that story of I want to say it was a woman nurse who would kill her patients. Um, but this really plays with that idea um, and turns this into a psychological horror slash thriller that is just so refreshing and absolutely unexpected. And, it, and it's so so normal on how they go about these particular uh, characters and how they interact with each other. And it's, it's, it's so fascinating, actually. The, this film is really, really well done. But La Doses, I, I really hope Shudder picks this one up uh, because this would play beautifully with uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, La, La Diona. Um, this would play beautiful with those types of films. Um, Terrified, all that great stuff. So this will play perfect with those so i really hope shutter actually picks this one up number four the dark and the wicked i'm gonna just do a disclaimer right here guys this is not the number four spot uh but this film is actually really really good this 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 um film is on a lot of other people's list that is number one for them as the most scariest film of the uh festival and i'm going to have to agree this is definitely the scariest film that i did see on the festival uh circuit but um it wasn't the best film in my opinion um but a lot of people will beg to differ um i'm in you know, it just didn't sit with me that that way that it did sit with others. But this is still a kick-ass film and something that I highly suggest checking out. Um, but this was actually uh, the disclaimer part here. <laughs> this was actually my most anticip anticipated film. I wanted to see this film super duper bad. I heard of it. Um, Brian Bertino working on this about a year ago uh, or sometime last. I want to say last fall, maybe. Um, but 
I really wanted to check this film out extremely bad. I'm a huge Bertino fan. I love the monster. I love the strangers. Um, I really love the fact that he loves using the word the in the beginning of all of his horror films. <laughs> but uh, The Dark and the Wicked, directed and written by Brian Bertino, a tale that follows a family entrapped by an unspeakable yet powerful evil that haunts their family and farmland. Louise, played by Marin Ireland, and her brother Michael, played by Michael Abbott Jr., um, return home to care for their ill father and help their mother around the farm strange occurrences plague the land in this terrifying tale excuse me and i even put here personally enjoyed the hell out of this film and uh made the list uh but it didn't captivate me as much as i thought it would from bertino's work that's fine you know it, it, it's just me it, it's nothing wrong with this movie at all i don't think anything should change in this film um that would make it uh to where it would be number one for me, but there are some fantastic scares in this movie. Like, then honestly, the gore is intense as well. So it's it's a really really fun film that I would highly suggest, and it it, it is a little bit of a different take that you are used to seeing with Bertino. Uh, Bertino doesn't really travel on paranormal that frequently but um this really does kind of hunker down and, and straps it, its boots to give you something that feels grounded at the same time paranormal which is pretty fucking hard to do i'm not gonna lie uh but i even put here that with all that said this is definitely what was the scariest film to come out of the uh, out of fantasia and it is 100 a must see number three alone uh directed by john hymas hyams 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 We'll go with that. Written by uh, Matthias Olsen, the film follows Jessica, played by Jules Wilcox, uh, driving down a long highway in the Pacific Northwest, trying to bounce back from a loss and restart her life in her hometown. Not like the title suggests, there is a man played by Mark Menchaca from The Outsider uh, who continues following her on the road. Things take a hostile turn in this freeway thriller. Um, and personally, everybody, I did not expect to be blown away from this fucking movie. This film blew me away. I, it's number three on my list, first and foremost. And I did not expect for the turns to take the way that they did. And everything happened so fast. It was beautifully paced. Um, usually when we get kind of these uh, these types of highway thriller films or things like that, things kind of progress over time, like with The Hounds of Love or, uh, I mean, I can't really say The Hitcher, but uh, maybe maybe Vacancy or something like that. Um, th these kind of take those little slow creeps and things like that. Um, but this really kind of cranked it up to 11 and started things really fast. You felt super nervous the whole time of watching it. And it's a blast. Alone is so much fun. Um, but I even put here that uh, the performances were incredible. And Mark Minchaka, uh, Min Min I can never say his name. I'm going to say Min Shahaka. That sounds wrong, but I'm going to say it's right. Continues to be pure nightmare fuel. At first, I thought this was going to be the very similar to The Hitcher, but boy, was I wrong. The perfect amount of twists and turns that kept me on the edge of my seat and white knuckled. You got, like, seriously, you guys, I cannot stress this enough. Alone is such a perfect blend of that highway or freeway horror. Um and also kind of that revenge-esque type of film uh, that you get 
but it, it is, it's just a beautiful blend of both. And I would highly suggest checking this one out. Um, I want to say this is actually going to be out extremely soon. So just a little heads up on that one. So be on the lookout for Alone because I want to say this is going to be out maybe a week or so after this episode is released. So be on the lookout for Alone. Number two. We're getting close, everybody. Under Gods. Oh, my fucking God. Now, this was my favorite film of the festival for a long time. This was maybe the 12th film that I saw, and it probably wasn't until the 30th film is when it got knocked off my list to be not be number one anymore. But this was a really hard one to push down because, holy shit, this movie is something that is extraordinarily well done. And I think everyone, everyone needs to watch this. I gloated about this film to every press person that I could during the festival. And I'm going to continue gloating about this movie. It is so, so, so beautiful. So well done. Um, But uh, it is directed and written by Chino Moya on his directorial debut. Under Gods chucks viewers in a foreign futuristic world that feels very much like our present day following multiple narratives that come together as an anthology that needs to be experienced. And the beautiful thing is, um, even if you watch the trailer of this movie, you don't know this is an anthology. I didn't know this was an anthology until I actually started watching it. And the way the stories are told and weaved together are so bl- so beautifully blended that everyone has a, a stake inside of this film. But I even put here that Undergods very much feels like you are watching Blade Runner 2049 from the perspective of the citizens, minus all the neon shit around you. I gloat about this film and hold it very high as being one of the best anthologies of this generation. That is right, everybody. One of the best anthologies of this generation. The other best for me is Trick or Treat. But this really took an anthology film and just made something so incredible I've never seen something done like this quite before. But I even put here that this is definitely not horror. So, you know, the, this is a, a little newer. For, or, this is more around the, the genre. Um, but the stories are quite horrifying and oddly real. Do not skip this tragic tale, please. I cannot gloat more and more about Moya's work for this film under gods. Write it down. Watch it whenever it's available. Buy it rent it what if it's on streaming services stream it do what you need to do to watch this movie because this movie is going to fucking knock your socks off number one last but not least everybody we made it god damn i did not think i was going to be talking for almost 30 minutes without having any other co-host but i guess i guess that person on twitter said that they could hear me uh interview a rock and it'd still be entertaining so hopefully i'm entertaining to you guys but anyway number one come true oh my god oh my god oh my god this was film 32 film 32 for me and this one was just something i was extremely excited for it was my second most anticipated movie of this uh fantasia festival and boy did it deliver for me 
Directed and written by Anthony Scott Burns. And if you guys don't know who Anthony Scott Burns is, um, he he's um, also a composer as well. But he also d- uh, directed Our House. Um, but he's the composer under the uh, synonym of Pilot Priest. Um, he does a lot of cool shit. Um, I want to say, actually, he did the the music for uh, It Follows. Um, I, I, I might be mistaken on that. So I might have to kind of uh, double check myself on that one before I riggedy wreck myself. Um, let me check that really quick because I, I, I'm pretty sure that's him but let me see let me see let me see um no i am wrong i think i think i am wrong um let me i i am i am wrong i yep he did not never mind um he just makes a lot of other cool synthy shit that's really really fun but um yeah i would highly suggest checking out his his both his music and also his films they're so much fun it's it's just a blast and you know i i can't i can't talk too too much more about the the love i have for anthony um so and anthony you know what you're you're invited on the show whenever you want to dude if you want to come on talk about uh come true because i got questions my dude um but you know let's let's see if we can get you on the show because we we got to chat my friend we got to chat but directed and written by Anthony Scott Burns follows 18-year-old Sarah, played by Julia Sarah Stone, that has is having trouble at home. Not having a place to go, sleeping in parks, couch surfing um, at a friend's house, and uh, signing up for a sleep study from a university. The university studies unlock something deep inside of Sarah and the other participants that slowly start to materialize with this new technology. The film is drenched with psychosis beauty that traps the viewer in its sense of neon paralysis. It's something that I haven't quite seen, seen done before, but it still felt familiar with while feeling extremely fresh. The composition of the film transports you with the characters and leaves you with an eerie vibe. This was easily my favorite film of Fantasia International Film Festival. And... I cannot gloat more and more and more about this movie because come true is something special to me personally. Uh, I personally uh, have dealt with things like insomnia and uh, sleep apnea. Uh, personally, I have never felt um, sleep paralysis, thankfully, I guess. Um, but I know people who have it, my wife included, and it seems scary. And this, this one kind of hit a little home to me, but I definitely love the whole aesthetic behind this film it is so eerie um and just a beautiful beautiful just it feels like you're kind of watching a music video but it's just it's so well done and it's just it's so the cinematography is chef kiss and i just absolutely adore this movie and is it leaps and bounds better than under gods? No, it's not. Uh, to be completely honest, I I do like under gods very close second. Um, honestly, if come true would have probably had one slight thing that I really didn't like about it, uh, under gods will still take that number one spot for me. But uh, come true, it just was a perfect film for me. This is one hundred percent of five out of five for me. Um, and this is actually the only five out of five on my list. Um, and all the other films are actually not in, I don't know if you guys are interested in knowing ratings cause I don't really rate shit. I just kind of review it and talk about it, but, um, I love this movie. This will definitely be on our list. I don't know when this is going to be out. Um, so my apologies, everybody, but I do know that once this is out, uh, hopefully everyone will 
see how special this film actually is and how important this film is because it is it is such a beautiful movie and i i cannot speak more and more and more about this but um that's all that i got for you for, for now but once again everybody um you can go ahead and hit me up on twitter and try to guess what day I'm actually going to be coming back on uh, on Nightlight Horror Movie Podcast. I already gave you a hint. It's in October. And you might be thinking the obvious, but I'm, I'm telling you now, that's wrong. That's already wrong. You're already wrong. You're wrong. All right? So think about something else. <laughs> um, but definitely hit me up on Twitter. That way we can uh, go ahead and see if you get it right. And I will DM you. So make sure you have those DMs open. Um, and I will go ahead and send you some some fun Nightlight swag and all that great stuff. But this was Nightlight Horror Movie Podcast. Bonus episode this time. Our first bonus episode. How fun. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And uh, as some people like to call me right now, the Headless Knight. That's fun. <laughs> but uh, no one around me, everybody. Just me. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's night with a K. By pledging on Patreon, you'll have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.